Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week to Live Life and Rest of the Show. Sincere holding this, me, my man, Mike Mahler. Great week, man. I'm, I'm loving the discussion that's coming up, man. I love the guests that we have on today because it's in a field that's kind of close to me. It's what I went to school yeah. for, psychology. And, you know, yeah. you know me, I'm always interested in the behavior of human beings because we're some interesting little species on this planet, man. <laughs> so... Yeah, I know. I noticed you like to analyze a lot of people's Facebook pages. Like, what? Why does that girl keep putting uh, up ass think, cheeks I every five minutes? I think they have a minutes? word for that. I think it's called stalking, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So no. Yeah. Well, 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 we we might make that part of the discussion today as well. Depression, stalking, Facebook dependency, yeah, addiction to social media. <laughs> exactly. Those are all some good themes there. Music, what we listen to when we train, and we have we have a lot of content here to get going but before we do that we want to give a shout out to some of our supporters that have been using coupon code lla to get 10 percent off products on our websites so you want to be like this group because of them you're able to listen to the show for free every single week and absorb all this great content so just a few of the people we have eric ambats brian mccormick bill lee david kinnebrew godfrey melhado al person in australia Adam Blake, Phil Cousins, Kurt Kinker, Michael Galen, Brian Betts, Daniel Champness. Those are just a few of the people that have been using that coupon code LLA at MikeMahler.com and also at Sincere's website over at NewWarriorTraining.com. And uh, anything going on with Patreon or anything going on with Patreon? Yeah, the Patreon supporters, man, continues to grow each and every month, man, and we really appreciate that. For those that don't know, that's how you can also support the show by heading over to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. One of these days I'll stop spelling it. But until then, (laughs) keep trying to find it. But anyways, Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. And that's how you can support the show on a monthly basis. And when you go over there, when it says support the show, you'll see a $1, no, number one in the box. Well, add a zero behind that. Otherwise, you can add, you can start with $5. Either way, those things help us keep the show going and growing, helps with the production cost, hosting, all that, all the housekeeping stuff that happens behind the scenes that you guys don't have to worry about hearing about or seeing or anything like that. It helps with that and helps keeping the show growing. So, Head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a supporter of the show on a monthly basis. And we truly appreciate that. And the third way you can do this is to head over to whatever medium that you're listening to the show on, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher. You can go over there and rate us, review us, share the episode on all the social media in which you spend the most of your time. And even social media where you don't spend time. So share it like that. So there you go, people. You know, so support our products. You can support the show on a monthly basis. Or you can support us by sharing this great show with all all of the people out there that you're connected with. So very easy. Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes we get these long emails from people talking about how much they like the show, and that's great. We definitely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I always say post that on iTunes. Yeah. You know, post it on Stitcher. Post it, post on, it on Facebook. your Facebook page and tag us. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We have a lot of people that do that, so we appreciate that. Because, I mean, we, we know the show's great already. <laughs> <laughs> so we need you to help us let other people know, and then we all benefit. Yeah. See, it's win-win all around. There you go. <laughs> All right. Speaking of great shows, we have a great guest today. We have Dr. Michael Friedman. He's a clinical psychologist, and he specializes in how social relationships influence mental and physical health. That's a really interesting topic in general because we know it can enhance your health, and we also know it can detract from your health a great deal. So I'm sure we'll get into all that. And then I also wanted to talk to him about depression because I think depression is way more prolific than we think it is. I think a lot of people are depressed and and just don't define themselves as depressed, but they're drinking several beverage alcoholic beverages every night. They wake up, they're not happy at all about their job. 
and they're they're looking for escapism every weekend. And then these aren't these aren't people that have gone to a psychologist and been diagnosed as having depression, but their I mean, lifestyle, in my opinion, is clearly depressing. I mean, even in <laughs> our industry, else. you know, we have the people that will, they have to go to the gym every day and spend two and three hours in the gym, right? You know, Perfect. in order to just get through the day, you know, which goes to show me. And I've mentioned this numerous times on the show. It clearly shows they're running from something. There's something outside right. that gym they're trying to avoid, and you know, so they put everything into it, but then. If they don't work out, all of a sudden they don't feel good. You know, they're they're posting like, oh my god, missed the workout. You know, and it seems like it's, <laughs> it's like the end of the world yeah. to them. Well, I don't think it's the workout that's making it feel like it's the end of the world. But you know, I mean, I've seen even on um, Dr. Freeman's you know blog, he even mentions that you know yeah. worldwide at least 350 million people you know are pretty much dealing with depression, some form of depression. Yeah. And I'm pretty yeah. sure a lot of our listeners, we've all felt it. You know, may, whether it be on a lighter basis or it might be something really major but we've all been touched by depression one way or the other and Definitely. a lot of times we don't have that coping mechanism to to get through it and we just kind of just deal with it because it becomes normal it's normal now to be depressed just hey just take this and take that and just sleep it off you know you'll be okay well everybody is everybody's you know, depressed so it's kind of crazy that it's normal now for yeah. so many people so <laughs> yeah let's get this discussion going yeah. dr friedman how you doing today I'm doing excellent. How are you guys doing? Great. And man. we'll call we're doing good. We'll call you Mike from this point forward. I just wanted I appreciate that. I just Thanks. wanted you to be introduced as a doctor and now we can <laughs> take the formal hat off. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's great to have you on here. You know, I think depression is interesting from a lot of facets because on one hand, I think it is more prolific than than people realize as we've discussed already. But also, is it something that is actually beneficial to some extent. So in other words, do we experience depression as a way to slow down our life, look at what we're doing, and then make positive changes out of that? Is there some biological reason why we even experience depression? I, I definitely think so. I mean, I think that there's there's different ways that, you know, before there were psychiatric disorders, there's different ways that depression can play a role in someone's life. One is uh, to, like just like you said, to actually say, Hey, wait a minute. Like we got to slow things down. We got to figure out what's going on here because so something doesn't feel right. You know? So as an example, if somebody passes away, you know, God forbid, yeah. or if you lose a relationship, um, someone will experience depression that will, you know, make them feel sad. Uh, the sadness in a lot of ways can be, you know, nobody wants to feel sad as a way of showing that a relationship was important. But by the same token, when you experience that sadness and that loss, it does reinforce that there was something important there. Yeah, and I think yeah. it also helps create uh, a sense in you of knowing what it is that you're looking for in a relationship. Because if it was important enough and good enough to be sad about, right. it's the kind of thing that you're going to want to have again, or at the very least, remember uh, that person, it, it helps you remember that person in a fond way. Yeah, the Sufi, the Sufi poet Rumi said that sadness is also a form of pleasure. And uh, the first time I came across that, I was like, "What is he talking about?" Like, I know those guys drank a lot of coffee back then, but they might have been taking some other <laughs> some other drugs as well. Right. But it's all. I think I think what he was trying to express is what you just basically expressed that you're sad because. It was actually it was something that meant something to you. Like you have an animal that you spend years with and he or she passes away and you're really sad about this because it actually meant something for you. If you don't feel anything, then it didn't mean anything to you. Yeah, it, it's a good way of kind of trying to understand how our emotions, uh, you know, have evolved over time to serve a different role. It's just like you said, you know, what would the world be like 
if upon people dying or ending relationships or pets passing away, you know, if everybody would just go on as if nothing ever happened, yeah. you know, what, what would that look like? All this yeah. Time? Chaos. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there's all, you know, and the other thing that, that it does is it, if sometimes if you're not feeling right, the depression can help you pull back a little bit and not keep using your resources towards something that might not be working for you. Right. right. You know what I mean? So to use like an animal model, if you're pressing, a bar and you're not getting any pellets, you know, if you just keep pressing that bar and you waste all your energy there, that's not necessarily the, the best thing for you. Sometimes the depression allows you to kind of take a step back and, and conserve your energy so that you can then think about, well, maybe there's another bar I should be pressing. Maybe yeah. I should take a break, you know, something to that effect. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, you know, our listeners are listening. Okay. Well, if there's situations where depression is good for me, at what point do you realize? At what point do you get that indicator that it's like, okay, now we might want to reach out to an outside source or should they've done that in the first place when they start feeling depression? Well, generally speaking, there's a lot of different ways that depression can become a quote unquote problem. So there's no, you know, for everybody, it's a little bit different. But this is what I would say, that if you've been sad or depressed or lost pleasure in Mm -hmm. uh, things most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks, and there wasn't a really kind of obvious, um, again, like a loss, like a death. Mm -hmm. Chances are that that's that technically meets the along with a bunch of other things like the criteria for major depression. That's probably a place where you could say, all right, there might be something that's going on here. Um, If you if you're not able to function in the way that you would normally be able to function beyond just feeling sadness. Like if, if you're, you can't go to work and uh, you can't take care of yourself, you can't take th- care of things at home. That's probably another sign that even if it's for an understandable reason, mm-hmm. you might want to go in and, and get some help because where it moves away from just having the emotions to actually interfering with your life, you know, for a lot of people, like if you're not able to work for two weeks, that you're going to lose your job. You know, yeah. you're not able to take care of your kids for two weeks. You're, you know, there's going to be a problem. So that that's generally speaking when I would say for most people to kind of consider uh, reaching out for help. Yeah. And how, how much of it do you think is just biochemical imbalances versus environmentally? Yeah, it's just yeah environment, exactly. environmental influences. Right. Well, the, the way I kind of look at it is almost like level of analysis. So, so this, when I'm, when I'm working with, with, uh, patients, clients, however you want to define it, and I explain to them depression. Th- this is this is what I say. I always start with what what leads to not being depressed, and here's what leads to not being depressed. If you know what makes you feel like yourself, what gives you joy, what gives you connection, what gives you a sense of achievement, and it's available for you in your environment, and then you know how to get it, and when you get it, you know how to have it feel good. That will lead to not being depressed. So let, let me give you an example for, for what you guys do. Okay, let's let's say as an example that you're just a person walking around, all right, and you know that lifting weights is something that feels good for you. Okay, it gives you feels like you're achieving something. You feel good about it. You have friends who lift weights, like all those things. It feels great. All right. So then the next question is: Is there? Do you have access to it? Do you have the money to go to a gym or to buy your own weights? All right. Then the next thing is like, do you have a program that you know how to exercise 
in the most effective way. If there's a, but there can be another system that doesn't work, that could be interfered with from a variety of different ways. So for example, like if you don't know that weightlifting is something that's helpful for you, that could lead you to not feel as good. If you don't have access to equipment in one way or another, let's move away from body weight for a moment, then that would be a problem. If you don't know how to the exercise in an effective way, like you don't know the concept of progression, uh, you don't know what exercises to do, that's going to make you feel bad. And if when certain things happen, like you don't advance in the right way, or you don't know how to integrate nutrition, you know, and then you're doing all those things, but you don't know how to get the results, that's going to feel bad. So at any point, any one of a variety of things, there are environmental factors, uh, there are biological factors, there are behavioral factors or thought factors that could all disrupt someone's system towards getting what they want that can all make them depressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So in other words, like you could have the biology when, and I, and this happens a lot, like most people who I see who have been depressed on and on over the course of their life, you know, you, you, you can't say for sure because you can't do a blood test or necessarily a genetic test, but you know, they have multiple members of their family who have been depressed. You know, so you kind of guess that, like, even if they didn't grow up in that home, chances are there's a biological component. Um, You know, there's some there's some people who live in circumstances. You know, so, for example, like I when I had to travel a lot of different places through my um, education, I noticed that I didn't feel as good when I was living in a small town when I was single. You know, there just weren't as many people. uh, There weren't as many women to potentially meet. And and I remember (laughs) Like the difference when I moved to Boston or I moved to New York, like that just felt different. You know, then there's kind of like, well, do you know, you know, do you understand, you know, like a lot of people don't understand the behavioral process to get themselves what they want in their lives. You know, they don't know how to go about finding someone to fall in love with or getting the job that they want or exercise, you know. And then finally, there's just a lot of people who their their mindset. uh, (laughs) Whoa. There you go. Uh, we got yeah. Let's <laughs> carry on. I, I hope that I hope that was an agreement. Not a, yeah. uh, not a, Grover agrees, man. But then, <laughs> yeah, but then there's also some people who, even if they get all of that, they have a more pessimistic view of the world, and so they don't. You know, it's like if they achieve something, they don't give themselves credit. But if they, you know, if they do something negatively, like they really beat themselves up. Right. So to me, what happens is once you get depressed, all that stuff generally happens. What I think is interesting is people, right? Nice family. They love their job or they have a job that's satisfying. They look healthy. They look fit. Yet something just doesn't feel right. And they're, they're not content. They're not happy. And if they're really honest, they're, they're, they're not satisfied with their life at all. And they don't know where to go from there. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, that's that's I think that's a lot of what I'll see. Uh, you know, I work in Manhattan and it's like, you know, you get a yeah. lot of people who come in. And on paper, I mean, I'll start I'll be like, look, your, your life's better than mine. So let's <laughs> right. that, you know, it can feel very different. So what their their purpose is. Right. So say so. So, Mike, let's take like your situation. Right. You've been you've been very successful in doing what you're doing. Right. But if for some reason, at some point, someone had said to you, no, 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 no. Like what you got to do is you got to be an accountant. OK. <laughs> right. You know, like like yeah. and, and 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 every time you were like, no, but what about this? It's like. No, 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 you got to be an accountant. Like, I'm sure that if you applied yourself, you'd be a good accountant, right? And you'd probably you'd be a good accountant and have business. Everybody yeah. look at you and be Def- like, hey. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 okay, how hard I applied myself. <laughs> but, but there's, but there's no, probably, you, you know, but there's probably other things because. No, the, no, no, what you mean? 
Right, the basic qualities that yeah. one needs to have what you've done, you could apply to something else. And it would look great to everyone else, but you're sitting there being like, I don't remember when I got into right. this. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's so many people. That's, that's their yeah. everyday yeah. life. They, they, when yeah. they're making that drive to work and then they get there. And then by the end of the day, they're sitting at that desk and they've been zoned out for a while and they realize, like, how did I get here? You know, or, yeah. or half the time they don't even know when they're driving to work and then to a job they really don't care about, but, but it was the safe thing to do. It was the thing that, okay, well, this is what's expected. I mean, this is how I'm, I become successful. Right. And then they drive home. Most of them, they don't even, they don't even remember driving to that place and driving back. They end up back home and don't even realize how they got there because they've just zoned <laughs> yeah. out because they, they need to numb that. They don't even want to think about that drive and just knowing it's almost like driving. It's like walking to the electric chair if you're a prisoner and you're about to go. It's like the last thing you want to do is actually think about that moment when you have to get in that chair. You probably are you, are, yeah. are you come you come home all, all irritable. It's like yeah. okay, no one no one talked to me for an hour after I get home. That's a bad sign, right there. Yeah, because you couldn't be irritable at work because you would have been written up. So you know, I'm just gonna take yeah, it right. home where no one's gonna write me up at home because I'm the breadwinner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and and yeah, and one of the things that that is is difficult for people is that the more successful you are as a person, the easier it actually is to get into one of those circumstances. Because yeah, for a lot of people, they get busted out of it because, you know, they're not successful going the, let's say, hypothetically, the corporate route. Right. You know, they, they, they getting married, having kids, buying a house, all those things that we're taught are the things that you need to do. For one reason or another, they're not successful at it. But right. when the people are successful, is when they just get deeper and deeper into it because yeah. now they have more to lose by getting out of it. And that's when the desperation, because they're, they're, you know, and I'll be in a session, I'm looking at them and it's like, yeah, like you could get out of it technically, but not really. And then what you got to do is you got to find, well, is there, are there other ways? Like, can you have this life? But just even, even moments, right? Like even moments of, of having that different view of yourself. Yeah. can make it all worth it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why people like sports, you know, how is it that, you know, sports years after year, it's like, you could be working at a job that you don't like, you know, and you could be, but, but you're looking forward to the Ranger game that night. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, that, right. that's a very, yeah. that's a very diff difficult life. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I was, I was born into it. So it was nothing I can do. But, you know, that, and I think that that's the thing I encourage people to do is say it's, it's, it's not an all or none thing. Like you can get at least little pieces of uh, glimpses into that part of yourself that you want to connect with. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, I think in those situations, the more and more successful you are, the more and more isolated you become. Because as you're rising up that ladder, you know, you tend to see that there for whatever reason, there's some people who are no longer with you like in the very beginning because that's not their goal. Or they become jealous or something like this. So the more and more right. you work hard to get to the top or wherever that may be and whatever you're doing, you're going to lose some people along the way. And people that you thought were close to you and like, well, I can't believe he's acting this way or she's acting this way or this person's trying to use me for the, to get money and finance this and that because they see I'm becoming successful. So you become, you know, when they say it's lonely at the top, you know, it, it, it's like that for a lot of people. So then there's another stage of depression right there. And like you were saying, you kind of get used. It's like, what's the alternative? Because what's going to be like this lifestyle? And almost like you were saying, it was almost like it's almost like being in a mob is like you can't just jump out with it because, you know, otherwise it's going to be some type of failure that's going to be far worse than what you're feeling right now. For most people, when they can see that's what they concede, even though sometimes it's kind of good to just go a full 180 and say, you know, screw this. <laughs> Let me just hit the. Well, I'll give you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example. Like I gave a seminar a few years back and one of the things I was I was giving to like it was a bunch of executives. And one of the things I said was, you know, everyone's looking at you guys and like thinking like, 
you know, oh, you have it all, whatever. But here are some things that I've heard from people who are in your position. And one of the things that they'll say is that, you know, one, if you're working really hard, first of all, you're not seeing anyone ever. Right. You know, you don't know that the people who you grew up with have the same ambitions. And at some point, it's just, you know, you feel like, you know, you want to do certain things. Maybe you earn some more money. So all of a sudden, like your new social network is doing things that your, your friends growing up. But the big thing that a lot of people say also is that they're is that their kids. Um, it's a very, you know, so if you if you worked really hard to earn a lot of money and then your kids are born into money and you were born into nothing. As much as you may love your kids, as much as you may be psyched that you're providing for your kids, you don't you don't get your kids. Your kids don't get you because they 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 see you now as like this really successful person. But they don't know that that you started off, you know, in a one bedroom apartment and you, you know, you, you still take from the restaurant, you still take ketchups. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and people said that, like, as much as that may, you know, look, nobody's nobody's going crazy over that. But it's an example of all along the way, like you lose these little connections with people, you lose the people you grew up with, you lose, you know, from your, you know, from your kids. And it does make people feel more and more lonely and they just kind of want to check out, you know, right. sometimes you have to break off connections, too, because you want to you you start going down. If maybe you used to be someone that was reckless and more self-destructive and then you decide to turn things around, you start becoming successful and you start moving into a, a deeper level of success. And all of a sudden, these people that used to be people you could relate to or are no longer people you want to relate to and you have to cut them out of your life. Otherwise it impedes your personal growth. Yeah, I mean I think that that's one of that's one of the biggest things that is difficult for people, but I, I definitely agree a hundred percent and I encourage. It's like, you know, you gotta kind of think to yourself like who's you know, what are your goals? What are your purpose and how do you want to feel in your life? And just do a quick test like Who's around that makes you feel more like that and who's around that makes you feel less like that? Yeah. Right. And a lot of times when we're in a low place, you know, when we're not in our best place, we we make connections with people uh, because we feel like maybe that's the best, you know, we don't deserve more. That's the best we can do. You know, if you if you're not doing that well and you don't want to be alone, like you're willing to tolerate friendships that are a little more toxic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, you're in that situation and you're getting better and you're like, uh, yeah, this for some reason, I, I remember why I used to be friends with this person, but I don't really. And it's hard for some people then to disconnect because, you know, you're, you're just so used to it. You get kind of trained. But that's one of the main things, like in the same way that physical toxins, like social toxins are very important to get out of your system. Right. Yeah. There's just so many low vibration people that if you get sucked into that world, it's, it's, it's a black hole. It's this nebulous place that there's no telling how low you can go. Exactly. And, well, maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and maybe things that were going on at that time where you and that person connected in that situation, in that low period, but you're no longer in that low period and you're moving on. So it doesn't hurt to like, okay, dude, I'm moving on. So here's the deal. This is how <laughs> I did it. I mean, you can, you can get out of it too, but a lot of times people wallow yeah. in it. They want to stay there. So that's when you got to kind of let them go. Like, well, you stay here in this quicksand of depression here and I'm going to move on because I don't like feeling like this anymore. I, I, found, so I, well, I found, I found resources now that make me feel better than being here at the bar with you drinking every freaking night, <laughs> you know? So, and, and hopefully yeah. and all you can do is like, you got to just, you have to let go. You have to let that go. 
Well, sometimes people bond over bitching about stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, every every job I've ever had, there's always a contingency of people <laughs> that just complain about the job. Like, this job sucks. You know what I think about this job? Ten reasons why we think it sucks, and every day is the same thing. And then the boss man walks in the room, everyone yeah, puts quiet. on a fake smile. Yeah, and like, that. hi, Mr. So-and-so. And, but these people, these people are bonding over their over their agreement over the job being distasteful yeah. or sucking. And then all of a sudden, that's all they have in common. So if they don't all continue to bitch about the job, then what are they going to talk about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, no. and Mike, I know we were talking about this before the show. Dr. Mike, we were talking about this before, you know, just <laughs> see, that's, the, that's how we're going to differentiate this, Mike and Dr. Mike. <laughs> so, but, you know, even when we were talking about social media before we started recording, you know, that's another thing that becomes like this place. That's the new office space now for people to go right. and bitch about things and collectively complain. But, Again, you can get sucked into that hole where everybody's commenting on this, but there's nothing being done about the situation. And it becomes these social things, I think, that you touch upon, you know, and then you write about a lot with these social. Well, it's like that one girl we know since you heard talk to who put all of her personal life on Facebook talking about her cheating boyfriend and all of a sudden. And then there's like a thousand people that responded, oh, oh, you go, girl. Screw that guy. It's like, why are you airing all that stuff on Facebook, number one? And worse than that, why are all these people reading about it and responding? (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very tough thing, Facebook. And I'll tell you what, what's been tough for me in terms of working with people. It's like, on the one hand, this is now an opportunity where I can legitimately look someone in the eye and be like, listen, I know that there's someone out there for you, whether it's, whether it's dating, friendship, uh, want to, you want to go to a show, want to, want to talk about something. And, and you can, I mean, to the extent that people have access to the internet, like, you legitimately can create a persona. Like I've seen people <laughs> who I knew, who I knew growing up, who I knew growing up that had tons of that had tons of issues socially. And I look at them on on Facebook, and they are just rock stars. You know, I don't know if that translates into their actual life, but Pro- like, probably not. No, it. But <laughs> but there's but, but even but even if it doesn't, like even to just have that experience for for a short period of time. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. know what it's like to sure. to have a problem. And, you know, so on the one hand, it's great that way. But on the other hand, it, it can just it. Well, you know, I, it I think it can make in. you I think it can make you more socially awkward in person now. Exactly. Because now, because you're used to you're used, Yeah, exactly. You're used to being looked at a certain way online. And that's not going to carry over to the real world unless you're also well known in the real world. So now you're walking around with a certain expectation, which is not going to be met, and then that can make someone even more socially awkward because <laughs> it's like, well, you're, they're, you're, you're they're nothing used to like, being the man. Yeah, you're, you're nothing like right. you're on Facebook, man. I thought you'd, be, I thought you'd be different. You know, Mike and I always laugh when people's like, man, you guys are just like you guys are on the radio show. Like, yeah, that's because we're being ourselves. You know, there's no persona here. We're not acting. This is what you well, get. And that's and that's I think I think that's a good lesson for people. It's like, you know, you, you can. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There's there's situations if you are are knowingly putting on a different persona for the for the fun of it. You know what I mean? Like if someone's saying, like, look, I think I think it'd be fun to, you know, act like this or to like do this, then right. then that's fine. But I think that it one of the things that people will do is they're trying to be something mm-hmm. and they're reaching for something and they're, and they're not they're not getting there. And I would definitely encourage people. It's like. It be be yourself on the internet because if you're not, the people who you connect with are gonna like this other this other person. I mean that's that's one of the big problems we have with people with eating disorders. Yeah. You know, so you get somebody who privately and silently is throwing up 
or is not eating. And then, you know, they're, they get people who come into their lives. Like, let's say like, you know, someone has a social, like a romantic relationship and they start not trusting that person because they're like, oh, they don't like me. They like the, the me with the eating disorder. It's like that person right. doesn't know you have an eating disorder. Yeah, they don't you know, know so you you've already just set up a system that's that's going to fail, you know. Exactly. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Like be yourself on the Internet and, and see who comes into that. Exactly. In our industry, we see it all the time. You, saw, you see these people and you see them posting their pictures or whatever, and they're like appearing to be the bill of health. You know, they're this, you know, low percent body fat. They're eating healthy. They'll take pictures right. of healthy food, just acting like that's what they do all the time. And then you see them in real life, you know, they're not eating anything at all because now they got to stick to that persona. Like, God, they really want a slice of that freaking pizza you're eating right now. But <laughs> on the Internet, they're the super healthy person that eats no junk food whatsoever. But that cheese pizza is calling their name and they're and they just go. And now they're depressed about that because they can't be who they really are, you know, right. because they, well, they want to allow themselves to be who they really are now because of this right. image they've created. Let me, let me, yeah. Go ahead. No, let me tell you something. That, that is actually that is me. I I. Like when I was vegan the first time, you know, I tell my wife this, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I don't have to take any pictures because they're going to see that like, I don't really look like that picture. It's like the one good picture that's ever been taken of me. And like, you know, so I'm in a, I'm in a situation now where I'm like, I got to get back. I got to get back down. So, I, you know, I'm online, like looking at like, all right, so what is my, what is, what does my father say about body weight exercise? I was like, okay, he's, you know, and that's why when we interviewed, I was kind of like, what's, what's his workout? You know, what's his diet like? But I definitely have gone through that. I tell you, it's caused a lot of stress because I don't want to be out there taking pictures. I got to do that, too. I, I do things in public and I'm like, oh, man, they can see this picture and they're going to know that the one <laughs> my little my little photo that I got. And so so my whole goal for the summer is to get back to the point where, all right, if they take a picture of me, it doesn't look like, all right, wait, is that you? Because this picture doesn't look like you. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think for fitness, so I got, people, I got, though, I got it can. It yeah, and for fitness people, though, I think that can be amplified and it's particularly just stressful because I've met women that used to be fitness competitors. Some of them have taken my workshops and they don't look like they've ever worked out when you see them. Yeah. And sometimes they were – I've had online clients who were former fitness competitors where they were in great shape and then literally within weeks after a contest, they put on 30 pounds of fat and they look completely different. They're totally stressed out about that because this is their livelihood. Doing oh, yeah. photo shoots and being in front yeah. of people. They're cutting weight like fighters before a photo shoot, you know. And, <laughs> and then the day yeah. after, they're just having at it, you know, like it's, it's crazy. But again, they got to put on that persona. Yeah. Now people are looking to them for inspiration. I'm like, you'd be more inspiring if you just be you and show these p real people that you're a real person as well and you have issues just like they do. But this is how you cope with those issues. That's well, what I think what's happening is, I think when you take something to an extreme, that's not, you're not able to maintain that, right? No. So, like, if your whole success is based on this extreme that you were able to get to for a short period, that's not going to be sustainable. So something that's like, let's say, 80% in that direction is sustainable, and that's more realistic as well. So you would actually be better off going to that 80% point, which you can maintain indefinitely. That, in my opinion, should be more inspirational to other people because it's more relatable and it's more attainable. Awesome run in Atlantic City about how when they were like a couple years out of college or in college, they spent six months and they lost like, you know, 50 pounds because they were doing this like, you know, they got up at five in the morning and they ate kale all day. And like, last you know, Rocky soundtrack. And <laughs> yeah, this is, right, exactly. Like, and, and if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I think that that's part of what keeps it going. And I, I'm, I'm definitely no exception for that. Like, I remember the times, I mean, we're talking like 20 years ago. I remember the times in college where I spent, 
the summer and I got into like what was probably the best shape at that point. And then I remember like right before, you know, I, I met my wife and I started, I had gone on another run and I still think about those things. And it's always kind of in your head, like, ah, you know, if you just do it like that, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 45 now. I got two kids. Like, like I got to work all the time. Like, I, I, you know, it's, it's not, it's not happening for me that I can work out three times a day, right. you know, but it's still, even in this field, even knowing what you just said is hundred percent true. I, it's still kind of messes with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I think you just have to, one, one of the things about, because we're all in our forties, right? And mm-hmm. sincere and myself have worked out for a long time since we're both teenagers probably. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a good point you bring up because I I have I have pretty extensive training journals, but looking at what I did when I was 25 is not going to be that relevant to what I do now. Even though I'm stronger now, changes have to I have to modify things. Maybe less frequency, maybe shorter workouts, right? Less Going heavier. Here, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So so you can still keep moving forward, but what worked for you 20 years ago is not necessarily what's going to work for you now. So you just have to modify things accordingly. And we hear it all the time, like, man, you know, I, I could bench 315 when I was in high school, but like, dude, <laughs> dude you're 50. High school was a long time ago. <laughs> if we were looking, yeah. at, if we were doing it like comparing it to like the dollar, to my that 315 right now, you know, back then, you know, wouldn't if that would probably be about 500 pounds if you put like inflation on that 315 back then. So you're not lifting 500 pounds right now, buddy, at 50. <laughs> you know, it's starting off and you've been on the couch for the last yeah, 15 and, years. Right. The only way you will is if you've been someone like a Steve Maxwell who's maintained health. Exactly. So like you were healthy at 18 and you've had this lifelong healthy lifestyle and now you're 50 and yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, you didn't take but, these big, you know, these big decade gaps where you've had three or, three or four different presidents yeah. since the last time you've been 315. You've had two Bushes since then, okay, dude? So, <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, had a friend from, I had a friend from college once, right? This guy used to work out with me, and he wasn't as serious as I as I was in college. But he right. would he would go through periods where he would jump in my workouts, and then he would just go on a on a pizza diet for three months, right? <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, he hadn't he hadn't worked out for a, probably about a decade, like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. sincere. And I was talking to him just maybe last year at some point, and he said he went to the doctor, and he's pre diabetic, and he's got high blood pressure, and he he was shocked by that. And I was like, look, man, you, you drink with your the same frat guys you hung out with in in college every weekend. You have this horrible diet, you're 30 pounds overweight. And then he said he went to the gym and he was shocked how much how weak he was. I was like, well, you haven't worked out in 10 years, man. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? You're just going to maintain where you left off? That That's the funny thing about people. That's the thing about people that cracks me up the most, right? Like they haven't worked out in years. And they're like, well – you know, here's what I used to be able to do. So I should be able to do maybe 80% of that. I was like, yeah, right. Try 30% of that, man. Okay. Yeah. You haven't worked out a decade. Now that brings up a good point, Dr. Mike. Like, okay, is this, is this delusion really real for these people? They actually, they, are they really that surprised in lot of situations <laughs> yeah. that this is not working like it did 10, 15 years ago? Are they that delusional? <laughs> or is this just um, I, I think, that, I think they might be actually. Like, I, I think that, you know, it, it's funny because you know, when, uh, when Mike, when we did the psychology today article, uh-huh. we talked about your workout, right? Okay. So you look at that workout. Now that's not like some, you know, in terms of you just looked at the basics of it. I think, what do you have? Two days of strength training, then you have the days of sprints, right? right? Yep. And it's yep. like, okay, so this is not a, you know, when most people come in, like, I'm going to work out every day and like all that kind of stuff. Right. But it, but it's, they don't, they don't understand the concept of, just wherever you start, then just do progression. 
Like people really, truly don't understand the concept of progression in exercise, whereas they kind of understand other things. Like they, they understand the progression of putting more money in, in your bank. They understand right. the progression of like, you know, uh, you know, being able to, to do more things around the house or things like that. You know, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help my wife out in this way. But they don't understand it with exercise and they don't understand it with eating. And I think that the reason is because it's it's the illusion is so powerful. It's so it's it's narcotic, you know, practically. Right. right. And, and that you just don't want to, you know, you don't want to think of yourself as having a dad bod. You know, when people say dad bod. It's like, oh, that's, oh, that's, 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 that's it's not, a, it's not a positive connotation. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not <laughs> thinking a huge Jackman. You're thinking. Uh, Try to think of an yeah. overweight actor. Oh, too much. Yeah, you don't you don't think about that, and so and so instead of just saying, "Well, look, like I can I can get to whatever I want if I just start wherever I am, and you know, like I add you know one rep every week or five pounds every week, like I'm eventually if I keep doing this, I'm eventually going to get there." They don't say that because the 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 illusion is so powerful that they don't want to deal with the fact that. There's a reality here. It's like you're, you're you're drowning in four feet of water. Like put your feet there, you know. But, but I think, nobody, I think there's, nobody wants to do that. I think there's two things that I'm thinking about as you're talking that bring up going back to this depression talk that mm. seem to correlate with depression pretty well. Is one is lying to yourself, right? right. You're just blatantly lying to yourself, and then the other is just a, just being impatient. So you you've been out of shape for 20 years, and then after a week of training, you're you're irritated <laughs> that you don't have any measurable results yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think that's that's a hundred percent right. I mean, I I think that if I were to say like probably the biggest thing that I do in my work is is just pure distress tolerance. You know what I mean? Like anything that that you want to do that that's difficult just requires distress tolerance. And one of the biggest things that people have trouble tolerating is being patient. You know, is being is yeah. is just waiting. You know, like yeah. they like if if you look at if you look at someone, you say like, okay, here's going to be your push up progression. If you add one push up every week, uh, you know, you could do one push up now. At the end of the year, you're going to be able to do 50 push ups. Okay, you're going to have probably if you're eating okay, the body you want. If you could do 50 push ups, like or multiple sets of that, but they don't want they don't want to hear that. You know, because the the stress of having the body that you don't want is too much for a lot of people. And so they try to do anything they can to rid themselves of the distress. They think that what they're doing is they're building their body, but really they're just basically trying to avoid the distress of having the body they have. So they do these crazy diets and all this kind of stuff. And if you can get people to tolerate that patience, tolerate the boredom, you know, tolerate the, this is what I actually am, not what I want to be. You're, you're home free because anywhere you start, if you do it, you're going to, progress to a point where you want to go. It took patience to get to where you didn't want to go. Exactly. You put a lot of focus so gonna, and work yeah. on it. It's like you, yeah, you made you a know, lot of trips to that drive through man. I mean, like you put in a lot yeah. of time and a lot of miles. You had to be committed to that Krispy Kreme. I mean, you have a Krispy Kreme gold card. You've got, you got free donut for every 10 you buy and you've maxed that out. I mean, I mean someone who put on 50 pounds, 100 pounds, that, that didn't happen quickly, right? It didn't happen in a month or three weeks or three months even. It probably happened over the course of yeah. several years. Years. Yeah, trust me. You didn't put in yeah. 100 pounds on, on in 30 days. The 30 day 100 yeah. pound diet, you know. So you, you could hit the buffet three times a day for a week in Vegas. You're not going to put on 100 pounds. You might put on 10. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. 15. <laughs> but you're not going to put on 100. But, and here's and here's the thing that's that's so interesting. The reason why people are able to tolerate that is be, is because they're avoiding that reality. So it's like right. the very thing that gets them 
to be able to, to build over time and, and have what seems like patience is the same thing that, that makes it hard for people to then, you know, get into a healthier lifestyle because right. you're avoiding reality in both cases. You know, I mean, one by just eating without paying attention and the other by getting into some kind of, you know, crazy, like, let's do it in three week right. uh, diet or exercise program. But it's the same mechanism. And it's, it's what you said. It's like that they're just not. I don't know. Like, could I have one? Like, you know, but at the time you're like, no, this, this, the whole thing of donuts seems like the right thing. And you're not thinking about it, you know? And then you certainly think about it when you start. uh, Well, I think, I think people in general eat and they're not thinking about it. So I think that that's yeah, pretty well. They're distracted right? time, you know. They're, they're yeah, you're watching TV, they're with a group, or, or they're yeah, with a exactly. lot of people. They're all talking, and everybody's laughing and giggling. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, by the time they're finished, they're all stuffed. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I well, ate so they're much. Eating, they're eating fast too, right? Like you yeah, and I've exactly. been out to dinner you? before, where where like everyone else is done, and you and I are like a, a quarter of the well, way through our meals because like we're taking our time. They, they, I'm like, put the, <laughs> yeah. put the fork down, take a bite, put it down. Most of them are holding onto their fork like they eat as if they're in prison, where they kind of hover hover over their food as if Adamese is going to come and take it from him. <laughs> you know, it's a like contest. That. How fast can I get this down? Exactly. So let me hurry up and eat so we can start talking or we can, or we can start drinking and get to the dessert menu. You know, let's get this right. meal out of the way so we can have dessert. <laughs> well, it almost it almost seems like every single it seems like every single aspect, especially of like of life in cities, mm-hmm. is designed to make people unhealthy. Right. You know, every single social event is yeah. tons of food and tons of every yeah. business event is food and drinking. You know what I mean? Everywhere around the corner, you've got like places where you can get tons of like really bad food. And so it is hard because if you're not mindful and you're not careful, you just you just kind of your natural thing. Oh, I have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And all of a sudden you've taken in a thousand extra calories in the day. Yeah. yeah, and now now you're gaining that weight, you know. It starts yeah. right when you go into work. It's like there's here comes Charlie. Charlie's bringing in Krispy Kreme for everybody. <laughs> you know who's gonna bring the donuts tomorrow morning? It's like you you're planning for the next you know failure for your well, diet. I, mean, I, like, I worked for an internet company where they they had unlimited junk food at your disposal. <laughs> And people would every time someone would walk by, they would grab a bag of chips yeah, or they would grab yeah, the seafood yeah. diet it's because like, it was free. It. Yeah, if you had to pay exactly. for it, if you had to pay for it, I guarantee you, no one would just walk by and grab it indiscriminately. Yeah, but because right. it was free, they're looking at it like, well, you know, the more I take, you know, the more I make. <laughs> I mean, it's free. I mean, why not? I got I ate a hundred dollars worth of junk food today. That's like earning a hundred bucks. Yeah, I have to pay for it. <laughs> I always tell my dad this because my dad's a sucker for things that are free. I go, look, just because something's free doesn't mean it's a good deal. You know, if a, if a restaurant that sucks offers me a free meal, it's not a good deal because I, I'm not going to enjoy the well, meal. Well, you you know, if I that, go pay for one, that's a good deal because I enjoyed it. Yeah, trust me, that free is a that's that's a, an illusion right there. It's not free. You're paying some. You're paying some way. You know whether it's going. Paying with diarrhea. Yeah, you know you're going to gain some pounds. You're going to have a headache. Something. You're going to pay it back. You're not getting that for free. Somebody's getting something out of it. I don't care if it's Tums, Rolaids. Somebody got something out of that free meal. Somebody benefits from that. Yeah, you get you get a free meal, but you got to stop by CVS. Yeah, I got to get some Pepto on the way home. I'll be home soon, baby. I'm on my way home. And then, then you have gut issues for the whole week. So, I mean, when, when you calculate that into it, you actually lost money. Me, you get home, you're passing gas. Your wife is paying for it now. You know, somebody paid for that. Okay. All the dogs are running out of the room. I mean, you know. oh, man, that's hilarious. Now, let's talk about Let's get back to this whole uh, the social relationships because that's one thing you study quite a bit. What what, are, what have been some of the things that you've been really surprised by looking into that? Well, I, I'll tell you one thing that's been very surprising is that like I I did, you know, when I was coming up and 
you know, I got a buddy of mine who he and I were studying couples therapy together and neither one of us were married, but we would give seminars on couples and families and all that kind of stuff. And one time he and I, he and I got married and we had uh, kids. He called me up one day and he's like, he's like, Mike, he's like, I gotta tell you something. I had no idea how stupid I was until I got married. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. I'm like, I don't know anything. I'm like, what have I been telling people to do to all these years? I mean, it's, it's absurd. And everything that I learned about about couples and marriage, I learned from my wife. I didn't learn anything from all, all the stuff that I learned, like that, you know, I, it was supposed to be important from doing couples there. I didn't learn any of it. Oh, come uh, on. You, you didn't learn anything from men or from Mars, women or from Venus? That was not standard in, uh, in, in, in the training. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, like I'll, I'll tell people, you know, my, my main thing that I'll tell people is, you know, when it comes to dealing with your spouse, especially, you know, I'll tell guys who are, if you're married to a woman and you're in that relationship, I'm like, listen, I'm like, first rule, like treat your wife the way that you would treat your boss. Okay. Like number one, like you are not going to be not working if your boss is working. Right. Like if you see that your boss is doing stuff and you're just sitting there at your desk doing nothing, that's not going to work. If your boss comes in and asks you to do something and you're like, oh, after the game, you're going to get fired. You know, if you like, you know, you got to be like three steps ahead of your boss in order for your boss to be happy. Right. But people don't people don't apply the same principles they have a business to their marriage not recognizing the fact that that marriage is a business. You know what I've I mean? I've said that a million it's, times, man. And whenever yeah. I say that, my friends look at me like, wait a minute. I said, no, it's not like I went and bought my wife. And what I'm saying no. is marriage is a business and you need to treat it the same way. It is because when you think about it, you're kind of going, it's, an, it's a corporation. You have a partnership yep. here and pretty much you're both working on building the same stuff. Or if the partner sucks, they can tear down whatever you're trying to build. And that means you probably need to dissolve the partnership. You know, people think like, oh my God, that's so hard. It's like, no, that's smart. <laughs> that's the thing about it because... They can screw you yep. up. You get a divorce, it's screwing up your credit. Well, guess what? Now it's a business because now you can't get one because, you know, you're with someone you shouldn't have been with <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you're in the, and, and it, you're, in the, you're in the business of, you know, like, look, it's, it's a different kind of business. But some of it is a business. You're trying to earn money together. You're like build, you know, you're, you got a family together. You got a house together. Some of it's a business. But also, like, a lot of it is, is just a business of, you know, what's your purpose in your life? You're building love. You're building you know, good times. And that takes, that takes effort, you know, just as much effort as it does through your work product. And I also tell, I also tell people, I was like, look, if you're, if you're, you know, you're recruiting someone for a business to work at your business, right? Right. You're, you need to train them too. It's like, yeah, you spent a lot of time recruiting them, but I'll often tell people, especially wives dealing with husband, I'll be like, look, you know, you can't expect that he's going to know, even if he's a good man, right? It doesn't mean he's the right, he's a good man for you. Right. right. It doesn't mean like he knows how to, you know, how to be good to you. And, you know, if you pick someone who's a decent person, they're going to be trying. You know, I, I can't help if you if you didn't pick a decent person. But if you pick a decent person, they're going to want to do the right things for you. Right. And I you know a lot of things that I that I was surprised by is people don't have like a training model. Like they just assume like, oh, now that we're married, like you're going to get you everything. <laughs> right. Well, I think and, I think I think well, a lot of women are guilty of, th- of thinking that men understand intuition like they do. So in other words, it's like, why? Why isn't he not picking up on my hand? It's like, well, like I always say, we're spell, dumb. Spell it out. <laughs> it's like we're visual. Well, I mean, show it's us not something, even so much you know. being dumb or not. It's just that I think people should just be very direct 
everyone should vocal, be there. And, and vocal rather than it's like, how come he's not picking up on this? Or why isn't she reading my body language? Just just vocalize that. Like a lot of guys sometimes are talking about delusional. A lot of guys are delusional when it comes to the opposite sex being interested in them or lack thereof, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, she smiled at me this morning. I was like, that doesn't mean Cause anything. Because she's, she's, she's nice. just being polite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you made eye contact, and that's what you do when you make eye contact. She like, looked at smile. me this way and meant this. I was like, look, man, unless, <laughs> unless she tells you in very clear language that she's interested in you, don't assume anything. Yeah, and, to my, and most women would just tell you. And like most guys, you know, it's like, ah, uh, she'll, she'll, she'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so. And it's funny, Dr. Mike, that you brought up the fact you guys are doing all the counseling and doing the seminars on that. And then you realize, you know, you knew what you didn't know. And it reminds me of the comedian Steve Harvey. Now, here's a guy who's now, his career pretty much got reinvented once he wrote that book, you know, Think Like a Lady, Act Like a Man. And he's given relationship advice and marriage advice and all this other stuff. But I think what people always forget, like, this dude also, he's been divorced three times. <laughs> and, you know, mm. his thing, yeah, he's sharing his experience, but everyone's going to this guy for marriage advice. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what he can pretty much show you is all the things he did wrong, you know, the most part of whatever. But I'm like, why Why is he the expert all of a sudden, a comedian? Why is he the marriage expert? You know, so why, why should I take this guy seriously? about that man so it's just funny well, I, I would say that for for any kind of therapy i would say look you know like what i tell people right away is like look i have a certain education i have a certain set of experiences i have a certain amount of training but you know you right and we're working together 50 50 to figure out what's right for you you know if someone who's a who's a therapist or something just says to you like oh no this is the right way and it doesn't feel right to you, right. you know, there's one thing if it doesn't feel right to you because you, you you haven't tried something new, it's always good to give something another try. But if there's something that's not working for you, the answer isn't just be, oh, I'm just going to keep trying. It's like, it's okay if something doesn't work for you. You know what I mean? Like, not right. everything that, that people do in the therapy field is for everyone. You know, it's kind of like, all right, let's try this out and let's see if it works. Let's do an experiment. But I definitely tell people, it's like, you got to know what's right in your marriage. You got to know what's right in your life. And that may not be the same thing that someone who's had a different set of experience, someone who wrote a book is going to tell you. Right. Exactly. Also, I think it's good sometimes when things don't work out. I mean, I've been in relationships where I'm looking back, I'm like, thank God that didn't work out. Imagine <laughs> if you were still with that person now, how depressing that would be. <laughs> you know? It's like, I look how much happier I am without that person and how much more evolved and confident, et cetera, I am. Thank God that didn't work out. Well, that's, that's another thing that I think a lot of people, you know, have, it's, it's kind of an odd perception. It's like, if you look at the, at the facts, every relationship that you're going to be in, except for maybe one is going to fail romantically, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, people say like, well, every time this didn't last for my entire life, it's a failure. The way, the way I say to people is like, no, it's like, look, your job is to get the most that you can out of every relationship that comes across your path. And also to know, like, well, what is the most that you can get? Sometimes the most you can get that's going to improve your life is to never see that person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, and all the way up to, like, this is the person that that hopefully, like, when you die is looking right at you lovingly. Like, but you don't know what that is. And I think that that's the other thing that that I found very uh it gives me a lot of business, so I guess it's good. But like, you know, people evaluate themselves like, oh, I had a 10 year relationship and it didn't work out. I'm such a failure. It's like, no, yeah. wait a minute. Who said failure? Like, oh, yeah. we don't we don't know what that relationship was supposed to be. Like, you might have gotten every good thing that you can out of that relationship and left at a good right. time. Exactly. That's a good that's point. Yeah, too. I think yeah. sometimes yeah. people feel like, oh, if this if it doesn't last your entire mm -hmm. life, it's a failure. And that's that's a. 
that's just an amateur way to look at it, really. Well, I, think well, and, and I was looking yeah. like this, like, well, it's not that you fail. What did you learn? Because here's the thing. When you're finally with, let's say you finally have that one person, just like, you know, Dr. Mike just said, you know, they're looking at you lovingly when they die. You got you the relationship that you got with that person as they're passing on or whatever. And they're looking at you that way. You know, that wasn't just all like the that's just who you met. Everything you learned from all previous relationships were a combination. All the good things, all the all the things you could get that was good and some bad. You put all those things together to help mold that final relationship that you're having. Where you realize, like I always tell people, I say, look, here's one thing about it. All previous relationships, my previous marriage, what it taught me is like it taught me to really understand the things that I want and definitely all the things I definitely don't want in my life. And so that made it a lot easier for this relationship to be a little bit more effortless where it's like okay being right up front i'm this is i'm not tolerating this i'm not doing this i'm not into this but here's what i do you know this is what i am looking for blah 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 blah. and you start having that communication because you realize that last time like okay these things were left out last time and it could have been better communication could have been better a lot of times this is what it all comes down to in relationships it's communication and people are just assuming that, well, they'll get it, just like we were saying. They'll figure it out. You know, or they try to change someone to mold them into the person they want them to be like, no, you signed up for this. You, you said you like this. You were attracted to this. This is what you got. You get, this is part of the contract. You can't try to change it up later after the fact. You know, this is the deal where you came in. This is who I am. And you got to take that. And if you didn't like that, then we, hey, move on. You know, and I but think that's the- where the problem happens. Yeah, but taking it back to the depression thing, I mean, I think that's a great point of why relationships can lead to depression versus not. You take that basic concept. It's like, you know, from having relationships that maybe didn't work out as much. Now you actually know what would make you happy, Mm -hmm. whereas you didn't before. And you know how to get it. Like, you know, all of a sudden, like, look, I got to communicate this right at the right up front. Whereas before you may not have known what made you happy. You may not have known that you had to communicate it. And you also may not have known what to look for when you're getting what you want as opposed to when you're getting what you don't want, right? Exactly. And so one one thing can lead to depression and divorce and the other thing can lead to you feeling good about yourself. But that was only because, like you said, you had those those experiences that didn't work out before. And I think that's another thing that unfortunately leads people to be depressed. Instead of saying like, oh, look, look at all I learned from this. Like, look at all that I gained. If a relationship ends, they're like, oh my God, like there, there was nothing good that came of that. And that's not true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't also mourn the end of that relationship, too. That's another thing. When you say, like, okay, you need to mourn that marriage, man. You're going to go through that little period, like, there's going to be that anger, there's going to be a depression, there's going to be, then there's going to be joy. And then you're going to reflect, okay, there were some good times, but she still kind of sucked a lot of times. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, I played my part on sucking as well. You know, so I, you know, that's another thing. A lot of people leave themselves out of the situation, like, okay, what part did you play in the situation? Right. You right. know, like, you got to own your part. It wasn't a one sided thing. Even if that person was a complete butthole, the whole time you didn't stop them sometimes or you continue when you try to stop them you just tolerated it anyway after you brought it to their attention instead of just like you know what i had enough and to the point to where it almost imploded and you're like okay i had to leave her because i was about to take her out okay so that's one of those things and a lot of people won't deal with that they make it i hear people all the time they make it seem like their marriage or whatever happened was so one-sided like i can't believe she's well you were together for 20 years and you had you did nothing wrong yeah <laughs> like really well, that- that, I think, gets back to this whole idea. It's, it's the same thing with this distress tolerance with all these other issues, which is that I think what happens in relationships is that the pain, because we put so much pressure on the meaning of a relationship right. working out or not working out, the pain and implications of something working out is so great that nobody wants to think that even in the most minute way, it's their fault. 
because that just means you're like a, you're a failure, right. you're you're not you're not lovable, you know. And so as a result, like people instead of being able to be like, look, it's like, you know, th- this is a situation where we did the best we could. It's time to have an amicable break. Here's what we both learned, and now we can move on as better people. There's this on, and it can last sometimes for a lifetime of people being like, "Who's to blame for this?" Here, I think to get into something, let's say whether it's a relationship or they're they're finally pursuing their passion, and for a while it's really exciting. You come out of the gate excited. Every morning you wake up excited. Then let's say several years down the road, some of that excitement starts dissipating, and then it gets to a point where it's not there at all. So you make some. So you have you have a couple of choices. One, you just stay in that comfort zone because it's familiar. You just keep riding it out, whether it's a job or a relationship, or you make some mid-course corrections. And I think if you don't make mid-course corrections, then it's going to deteriorate rapidly. It's going to have a real deleterious effect on your mood. Yeah, and I, yeah, think, I, think, I think, think one more thing that we, you know, that's missing with this is also that social aspect <clears throat> with a lot of these situations where what is everyone going to think of me? You know, and or, or you hear that situation, people are like, oh, man, going back to like just the, the failed marriage, like, oh, man, you guys are not together anymore. But you guys were the example I look to for love and blah, 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 blah. And it's just <laughs> it's again, like, well, you're like, stupid. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're an like, idiot. But you were the couple that we all, you know, used it for the model and the example. And it's just this, again, this social thing where, oh, now I'm going to be a social failure because now these people are looking to me to be the, you know, the, the epitome of a great relationship, which why do you, why do you, you want can that, say that with the, You can say that with the business, too, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, imagine if either one of us was like, you know what? Business not working out anymore. I decided to give up. I'd get a flood of emails. Or we from people filed for bankruptcy oh, I... or whatever. Yeah. And like, and like, what happens? Like, you're, like, you're I'm not human. in the business industry anymore. I can't believe that. What happened? Exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think that that's one of the things that you get back to the Facebook thing that happens, where you know people will, will construct these false realities precisely because the fear of not being that is so great. And it's like it's like you said before about the eighty percent. Like if everyone would just be like. Okay, we're not going to elevate anyone to godlike status, and we're also not going to, you know, completely take people's legs out from under them when they don't do something that we thought was right. right. Everybody would just breathe a sigh of relief. But right. it, especially, I think this happens on Facebook. It's like, you know, you get this feeling like, oh my god, like all these people's lives look so put together, and there's all these pictures. They're happy, and they're they're. It's like, how come I don't have that many friends, and how come my wife doesn't look at me like that, and like, you know, my kids don't seem to even want to be around me, and like, but it's like a lot of it is constructed precisely because the fear of any kind of failure is so like difficult that you just you know you just want to create something that it's not real but it's it, it's intoxicating in some way right. like and then you get you're getting you're getting praise you're getting praise based on that fake persona and now it's even more addictive because now you want to mm-hmm. uphold that to keep getting that praise or it becomes that fake until you make it like let me create this false reality <laughs> yeah. now and maybe if i if i if all i do is focus on that and pretend long enough then it'll happen magically He's like, yeah, there's so there's few sayings I hate. <laughs> they start, you know, start believing their own lie, and they, they actually start thinking they are the perfect family, and there's nothing wrong. And hey, she loves me. Look how she looks at me, just like in this picture. <laughs> you yeah. know, not realize she was rolling her eyes and say, "Hey, let's take another picture together." <laughs> you know, the whole time. there's 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 few <laughs> sayings I hate more than "fake it till you make it." Uh, I, I hate that saying. Uh, that's not a good. I one. always say, no. "Keep faking it, and you'll never make it." Would be <laughs> more accurate. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, because if you're not ta- if you're not well calibrated, like let's say you want to get strong and you're weak, but you say I'm just going to say to myself I'm strong, and then eventually I will be strong. It's like no, just admit to yourself that you're fucking weak as shit. And now what are you going to do about it? Because that's where I went through when I was a teenager. I tried benching one, 
20 or something for the first time and I got pinned with it and I was like, man, I'm weak as shit. And that got me motivated to work out hard. And guess what? A couple years later, I'm pretty strong. I didn't sit there and go, well, I'm not really weak. It's just, uh, I'm just, uh, not a good day. So the, yeah, bottom, yeah, yeah. the weights are not cooperating today. You know, God forbid that inanimate object is not like doing what you gra- want. You human. Gravity is just stronger today. Right now. There's a stronger gravitational pull in my parents' basement. So, <laughs> so I, I, th- I think that's the other reason is, it's okay to admit exactly where you are and then make a target where you want to go. Yeah, check. Yeah, we got to check that language. When you sit there and say fake it till you make it, it's like you're, you're missing the key word there, fake. You know, what, what good comes from that? You know, so what, how, how many women have faked orgasms, yeah, which eventually led, which eventually, no, which eventually <laughs> led to a real one, right? Any any women <laughs> listening, let me know if that worked for you. Just kept faking it with your husband, and then eventually, it's, bam, it's it like, just I a real so one. Long I finally had one. Like, oh. <laughs> you faked it so long that you think you had one. You know? <laughs> well, I think did, did you? You I think I did I? I don't even know what that feels like. I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone ever have a real one? <laughs> <laughs> One thing about a man, we can't fake it. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Well, there's there's something else I wanted to ask you. I just went blank on there. Coming back. Okay, here. No, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Like conversation. I mean, I don't want to say anything after that. Like, (laughs) no. No, I got it back because there's this, just, just having travel around the world, right? At, at first, you think, wow, you, you see people in countries like Kenya and Uganda, Morocco and India. And I'm not talking about the totally destitute in India because they're definitely not happy. But sometimes in, in Kenya, you see these, these small, quaint towns where no one has running water. People live in huts, basically mud huts. And they're, they're all smiley faced and they're happy, happy with their neighbors yeah. and so forth, right? Now, the reality is, is they're not quite as happy as people think they are. I mean, you're driving by. I mean, your your whole assessment is you driving by or driving through. You're not there day to day dealing with the issues they're dealing with. But on, on a surface level, a lot of these people who seemingly have nothing seem to be a lot happier than people who have a lot. Now, how do, how do you explain that phenomenon? Is it is it something where the more you have, the more you want to have? Well, there's a lot of different. You know, let, let, let's just assume for a moment that there there are people who have less who are happier than people who have more. You know, right, you know, right. not not a particular um, group or culture. But I think that there's a lot of different paths to that. Um, one is that uh, I, I was I don't know if I'm saying this right because I, I heard that there was I, I saw something on like a National Geographic channel where there was like there's like boat people who live, who live on actual boats. I don't know if it's somewhere off Australia or something like that. I don't know if India has people like that. So those kind of populations exist for sure. So I I don't know if I'm totally butchering what this was, but one (laughs) of the things that I, that I remember, and again, I don't know if I'm making this up in my head was that what they were saying was that the language doesn't have a word for time. In other words, like when you see someone, you don't say like, Oh, I'll see you later whatever. You're just, you're just kind of very in the moment and you're excited to see them then. And then there's there's nothing uh, because you're not you're not thinking about that. And one thing I definitely would say that for some people may occur is that if you're used to just dealing with lower resources, you may on a positive level get used to just kind of dealing with what's right in front of you. You're not you're not thinking about, oh, what you know, what am I going to be doing 40 years from now? Because you're trying to figure out what you're going to eat right right there right now that obviously can cause like a humongous amount of stress and can be very negative but but 
for some people, not saying people in general, like of, of a particular culture or something, but just like individuals, they may just sort of get that may get them into a I'm in the moment and I'm sort of therefore a lot of the things that make people depressed about looking at the future or hopelessness about the future. They sort of bypass all of that because they're just right. going from thing to thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it sounds a lot like, you know, what they speak about in mindfulness. You know, it's just the fact yeah. that a lot of people end up being depressed because they're so like, we've touched on this a little bit. They, they're still caught up in the past and how they felt. They think about those good times. Mike and I talk. We talk about this. They think about all the good times in the past, but they they eliminated all the bad things that happened in the past. <laughs> right. So now what's happening right now, they're not feeling th- what they feel when they're feeling nostalgic. Or they're so caught up in the future, like their five-year plan, or they're stressed out by like, okay, this is what I'm planning on doing 10 years from now, so i got to do this right now, but it's not happening fast enough. So now they're stressed out about that. So it's something to be said, like the people that you're mentioning, Dr. Mike, these people are in the moment, so they don't have anything to really pull them back or give them anxiety trying to get ahead at that moment to get them all stressed out and depressed. Well, sometimes the moment is so stressful that you can't be in the future or the past because you have to be in the moment because you have to survive that moment. But then you got to say, how did I get yeah. here? You know, but that's nothing. How did I get here? You know, this situation. It, it's, yeah, I mean, it's the other, the other thing that I've noticed with people, you know, is there's a, the two, like, here, here's what I say to most people. Like, if, if you can do these these things, you thank, thank you for being alive. Thank you for this food. Thank you for the shelter. You know, when you're in that zone, yeah. however you get there, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be religious to get there. That's also like a place that I think for a lot of people can really, you know, look, if you're, if you're thankful for being alive in the morning, then every moment that you're alive, you're going to be basically feeling pretty good. Um, I think the other thing that, that a lot of people do is the concept of forgiveness. Um, you know, forgiving yourself, forgiving others doesn't mean being a pushover. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to, you know, take crap from people, but just sort of having a process by which you take things that don't feel as good and learning how to move past them. Um, I see a lot of people from all different kinds of backgrounds who really, you know, on an individual level, just get that, you know, you're waking up in the morning, you're feeling grateful, you're forgiving yourself, you're forgiving others. And then from there, you're just like, all right, well now what can I do to make my day better? Right. You know, whatever that is. And, yeah. and if you can do those three things, it's not that you're not going to have any problems. That's, that's, that's not, that's not the case, but well, it's certainly you know, a lot better than most people who wake up and go, Oh, another day. Right. Like, oh, it's Monday. You know, like yeah. that's how many people oh, wake God, up to the Mondays. It's like that drives me crazy. Like, oh, to my man, it's just a case of the Mondays. Oh, well, get, is it Friday yet? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when you do your own thing like we do, it, the, the whole concept of the weekend doesn't really exist anymore. Like, in other words, right. in other words, the negatives of Monday doesn't exist to me. And the big positives of Friday doesn't exist either. Right. They're just they're right. just days. They don't yeah. mean anything. But uh, yeah, I think I think when you but I think if you wake up and you're already in a bad mood, what is that going to set up for the rest of your day? Well, yeah, because if if Monday by definition is a bad day, it means one of several (laughs) things. Either one, you got a job that like you could you could definitely be thankful for. Do you got you got kids that are going to school that you could definitely be thankful for? Or maybe you're in school yourself. You know what I mean? So even just from that perspective, or or you're in a house, you're in a bed, you have food in the refrigerator. Yeah. You're you're waking up in a bed in a house. I mean, right there, that's something to be thankful for. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so if if you take the gratitude approach, it is harder. It's not it's not that you won't get down, you know, whatever. But there is a way to kind of connect to that to, you know, and I, I also think like, you know, some people also finding their sense of purpose. 
is something, you know, that was that, that third thing of like, well, how am I going to make my life better? It's like, well, right. what's your, you know, what's your purpose? Like, what were you put on this earth to do? And, you know, you don't have to know that in order to feel, uh, you know, good, but it, it certainly helps if you do. And it certainly helps if you're trying to get it. Well, I think gratification starts becoming important at some point too, right? Where where if you start focusing on how to make other lives better, whether it's animals or people, that's definitely going to make your life better. If you're always just focused on yourself, like how do I make my life better? What can I do to make me feel better? Yeah, then how, it's always going to be elusive. Well, how depressing I, is that? When all you, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. What do you care about? Myself? Well, dude, that's, the, <laughs> that's boring and depressing. It's just you. You know, I mean, try try going out on an island by yourself and, and pull a Tom Hanks situation where you just you and your freaking volleyball. Even he had to start making a friend with the volleyball because he couldn't. After a while, ask any prisoner that's been in solitary confinement for a week, a month or a year when it's just you and your thoughts and how that can just drive you mad. You know, yeah, you'll be you'll be you'll be hungry to cuddle without a BC after a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like screw that, man! I'm going to solitude. I'm so glad to see you, how to BC. Here, I brought you a toothpick. Here you go. <laughs> let, let, let's share bunks today. <laughs> <laughs> let's cuddle, <laughs> cuddle party. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I got to be honest. When I was preparing for this, I just I didn't prepare for us going out of easy. I just didn't. <laughs> Oh, come on. Well, the fact that you, remember, the fact you remember, even know who we're talking about is good. Exactly. A lot of people listening are like, Adebisi, who is this Adebisi character they keep bringing? Google this guy. All those, uh, all those Oz guys, like, when I was looking at the village, like, lived, and I remember I walked by him once, and I remember I just had that, like, I just had this, like, bad, I'm like, he must get that from everybody now. Like, everybody just gets this, like, uh-oh, it's out of easy. Like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure in real life. If you saw that guy anywhere, you would think that's the first thing that would come. He's like, out of BC. You won't think about any other movie that he's done or anything. He's just like, out of BC. As soon as I see him, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, it just, I just gotta be a little careful. Can you imagine you getting on an elevator somewhere and then he's the only guy on it? You'd be like, that's yeah, okay, I'll wait for the next one. So, like, come on, my friend, get on. I'm gonna need him to punch the floors. I'm gonna put my butt up against the wall because I'm like, I, I know how this is. I've seen the, I've seen the show. I know how this plays out. I, I saw, I saw Dean Winters once too, and I was like, oh, nice. I was like, and I couldn't, I couldn't help but be like. He's Ryan O'Reilly. Like, I mean, Ryan. I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe, he's, maybe he's grinding up glass and like, you know, like making my, it's going to be in my food in like two days from now. Oh, that's right. You're in New York City. So you, you must see it because a lot of those actors yeah. are also in the law and order. So you must see. Or I want to get insurance all of a sudden because I'm looking at him like, OK, he's I don't need you riding the car with me. I saw the insurance commercials, dude. You're, <laughs> you're not the right guy to have in my car right now. <laughs> I, I am. So, I am so psyched that uh, that that J, the J.K. Simmons. Yes. Yeah, he but, but he's he's but I I. I Great actor. He's, he's Schillinger to me. Yeah, like, he's always know, gonna be Schillinger. I'm, I don't, oh, I'm like, he worked hard to get that Oscar. I was like, do you understand how many attempted murders and rapes that he had to go through to get that Oscar this year? I don't see, and they're talking about the farmers' commercial. I'm like, nah, man, that's Schillinger. Okay. You, 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 you see him in all these campy roles, and you realize what a great actor he is. Exactly. Like, wow. like, because because a neo-Nazi at one time. No, because <laughs> I've seen him in other roles where yeah. I don't I don't think of the Schillinger character because he's so convincing in that role, and then you realize, oh yeah, that's him. Yeah, he was good in that. He was he was J. Jonah Jameson in I was like, yeah. he's awesome in this. Exactly. He's, uh, but, he's in the new Terminator movie as this kind of uh, affable type character. You know, so much different than what we're used to seeing. Right. So he he's definitely very has well range. Rounded, very, yeah. very good range, no doubt about it. Hey, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about with depression is what sometimes sometimes what can be depressing is just the anticlimactic feeling which comes from 
achievement, right? So whether it's a fitness goal where you spent several years trying to hit a strength mark and then you hit it and you're like, it feels great for a little bit, maybe the rest of that day. And then you're like, okay, now where do I go? Is you have that anticlimactic drop off. Have you experienced that where it's, it's sometimes people are depressed because they put way more weight into what they thought an achievement would, what they would derive from it? Absolutely. And I, I think that the, I think that fitness is one of the main places where I'll see that. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah. And that was when we were first talking that like sort of final thing, like when you get it, do you know how to feel about it? Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of, you know, so for example, like w- one of the biggest things that I'll, I'll have is like, you know, baseball averages is a good way to think about most things that you try. Like yeah. if, if three out of 10 people who you ask out say yes, you're going, you're doing uh, you're super yeah. Like, okay, I'm awesome yeah. now. <laughs> right. And, and it's, but, but most, yeah, but most people don't, they don't experience it that way. Like they don't understand how to interpret success. And I think one of the big things is also like, you know, when you get there, it's not going to be this parade in many cases. If anything, it's probably going to, you know, like, so for one thing that I, that I see a lot of is if someone's been waiting for results for medical tests, like, so let's say you've been waiting to get like a biopsy and it's good. People actually get depressed for a week because what winds up happening and their families get depressed for a week. And the reason, at least from my perspective, is is they've had so much tension building up that their bodies are finally just letting go. And it's just like, okay, it's almost like that, you know, that more like sort of adaptive. Yeah, like that adaptive way of depression. I, I suspect with a lot of other goals, you know, you've been so focused on it. You've been so pushing towards it. And you think it's, you know, your body just probably kind of gives out. And if you're not able to interpret that, yeah. you might you might be in a position where that really gets you down because you think, well, what's the point if this isn't going to make me happy? Right. You know, li- little do you know that the very fact that in some ways it is the goal and it is making you happy is what in that short term moment is actually kind of bringing you down. Yeah. Or yeah. the fact that you've been kind of building yourself up to prepare for the worst. And then you, you put you put all your resources together. like OK, let's just get ready to deal with this. And then you realize, like, the worst is not going to happen. It's like, well, I just put all my emotions <laughs> and effort yeah. to fear for the worst. But you're going to tell me I'm going to be OK. <laughs> He's like, now what yeah. do I do? Now, you know, now you're disappointed. You're like, it's it's like on. a drug. It's like you, you've now gotten hooked on getting ready for the worst. And now you have to wean yourself off of that drug now and, and try something different. Well, you're also, you're also getting a lot of attention from other people That's for preparing too. for the worst, yeah. right? So in other words, sometimes when you have a problem, everyone just galvanizes around you and they're supportive. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, you don't have that problem anymore? See you later. It's kind of like Breaking Bad. It's like when Walter, you know, his character is like preparing yeah, to yeah, die right. from cancer. And then he realizes that, oh, you're in remission. Well, then instead of celebrating, he's like, I got to keep this persona going now. This is why I'm <laughs> this is why I'm selling yeah. meth now. Like, you know, now I'm this new character, Heisenberg, and everybody's fearing me. Whereas now I go back to my life and being what he felt was a nobody again, you know, just a chemistry teacher. So it's just kind of like, nah, screw that, <laughs> you know, so it's that same similar well, situation. Well, well, one of the things that, you know, you guys can think of it for yourself. is like how many people when you're losing weight are like, that's awesome. Like, that's mm-hmm. great right now. The, the research shows that losing weight is actually really easy. Now, the question becomes, how many people two years later are like, hey, man, you've really maintained that weight loss, right? <laughs> right. right. Nope, yeah. Nobody. No, no, no one's getting – like people – you see these – you see all these events where people are getting up on stage. I lost 100 pounds. Thousands of people are clapping. There's no event where someone's getting up on stage and going, man, I've been fit since I was 18 and I'm 42 now. <laughs> oh, man, you're yeah. badass. You know, no one's doing that. Yeah, then then everybody's shooting him down. It's like, well, you know, you got good genes. I mean you were born – you were born that way. I didn't have that – 
they're making excuses for this person. Like, nah, dude. It's like, seriously. I've been this way since I was 18. I was actually overweight until I was 18, but now I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, there's there's even people who say I don't I don't want to hire a trainer who's never been a fat ass because yeah, they don't so funny they, they, like, they, have, they haven't yeah they, well they haven't proven that what they do works I was like they haven't proven that it works because uh, they weren't a fat ass at some point in their life maybe maybe it works because they've never been one <laughs> you know like we had our friend uh, Lisa Baelish in the show talking about that how she's she's always been fit and somehow that's a liability to a lot of people because they that that makes her unrelatable. They're like, "Well, you've always been fit, you're special." She's like, "Yeah, I've always been fit because I've always eat clean. I've been eating clean always. I've always trained. I'm always consistent with this stuff." Well, I mean, this is the reason why you have so many people, you know, who call themselves like, I don't know, um that company that owns P90X. Now all of a sudden they've got these oh, these beach body coaches. Beach body coaches. Basically, yeah. <laughs> these are people who bought P90X and they did it and they lost some weight and now all of a sudden they're coaches and they're here to coach other people to be fit in shape but then you realize like wait what are your credentials again oh well i, I did p90x just like you and i'm a beach body well, I, mean, coach. I mean would, because would these people connect to... with them they connect with yeah, these people because exactly. they went through the journey so now they, they feel like they would rather go to someone who did p90x and call themselves a beach body coach which is just another another mlm scam for the most part to keep selling it or whatever absolutely then come to you and, my, and, and myself you know people who are actually in the industry and you've had people of different types from different walks of life who've had successes and failures and all that you know and, right. and in their mind they look at you and me Mike and they say well you guys have always been in shape like dude how long have you known me and he's like <laughs> you know, what do you define as always in shape I said I was a skinny little frail kid growing up with asthma yeah we all started like, somewhere yeah who exactly. almost died and that's one of the reasons why I got into fitness so I didn't die from asthma because it was so severe or whatever so I'm like you don't know my journey to sit there just well, I mean imagine Imagine only hiring a financial advisor who lost everyone's money at some point. <laughs> like if you if you haven't lost everyone's money and people lost their whole life savings with you, you I don't understand. even want to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like no, I want the guy or the lady who's never done that, has never screwed up because she's smart and she plays, she makes good moves, so that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it gets right back to that thing of, of boredom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. it's and it's 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 socially. You know, kind of uh, baked in. It's like nobody, you know, nobody wants to watch a show of someone living a good, healthy, consistent <laughs> <No>. life. <laughs> I don't want to watch that show. Like, yeah. I want to watch the person who has breakups, and I want to watch the person who has trauma and who has addiction, and like all these yeah. different things. And you know, I'm not making light of those topics, but there's a there's a way that, especially when it comes to fitness, and especially when it comes to the things that we can do to set up our lives so that we don't get as depressed, right. a lot of it just feels boring, and that's the reason why a lot of people stop doing. It. Like they say that there's another reason, right? Well, say, I think oh, a lot of people are self destructive out of boredom. Yeah, oh, they're just 100%. creating problems. Yeah, 100. percent And there, back, a lot of people, a lot of people, <laughs> no, a lot of people run businesses ineffectively because they want to create problems it's like okay now i've got stuff to do <laughs> yeah. yeah you know this all goes back well, to what I, dr michael said about you know waking up and actually having that purpose you know yeah, you, yeah. you can't be bored if you actually have a purpose man that's the thing no, about absolutely it. you not. really can't be bored and destructive when you actually have a true purpose and you think you have that gratitude and you're you want to go out and help others you know it's just hard to be bored i always laugh when somebody i'm bored no you're boring change it <laughs> so I fix yeah, that. Yeah. that's know? the problem exactly <laughs> Exactly. There's so many things to get into that if you're boring, you're the problem. You know? <laughs> exactly. If you're bored, rather, you're the problem. Yeah, it's not right. that life is boring. There's so many things. There's only so much. T- I mean, usually I get to the end of the day and I'm like, wow, I have to go to sleep now. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah, I'm, I'm usually it's in the middle of something really interesting. I'm like, man, I could I could just keep going here. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I think is hard for people to to understand is that putting yourself in a position 
where you've got interesting things going on also is something that takes time. I mean, look, you yeah. guys have built up, you know, a podcast, like there's, you know, all the history, you know, you, you couldn't just walk up one day and be like, Oh, I feel like doing a podcast. Like you have to set that up. You know, yeah. I feel like, you know, being a fitness coach, like you can't, you have to set that up. And I think that, you know, people don't keep in mind that they've, you know, they've got to do these things in a methodical and progressive way. Right. And, you know, to the point where now they've got the mechanism to not be bored all day. Right. You know what I mean? But I think when people find themselves bored, instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to take some time to take steps towards that. Like, all right, like, how do I produce a podcast? Or how they, there's like, oh, I'm just bored and I'm just going to go watch TV or I'm going to do whatever. Um, and they don't like those progressive steps. And that's it's hard because in my field, the other thing is a lot of therapists don't like those progressive steps either. Right. I would much rather sit and talk with you about what happened with your mother. You know what I mean? And what happened in your early childhood rather than talk about like, well, all right, how are you going to get to the gym today? Like, you know, how are you going to kind of like that? That's not that interesting, you know? And so. <laughs> Yeah. And so it, it's great because like you think you're working on something, you're paying me, I'm more interested. And I think that like, <laughs> a lot of things are set up around that way. You see in like psycho in movies of psychotherapy, mm -hmm. it's never just progressive methodical goal setting. You know what I mean? Well, here's, Someone's got to be the, trying. Now that brings me that brings up another point. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the pitfalls I see with talk therapy, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is where. Sometimes you have an unresolved trauma, right? And it, and it is important to bring that to light and to talk about it and process it. But then at some point you have to move on because otherwise you, you can become addicted to talking about it because that makes you feel important. You're getting attention. But then every time you talk about it, you're reliving it. And then it's almost like you're going through it again. So how effective is talk therapy ultimately if it's just a broken record where you're just constantly revolving around that same problem? So it's 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 a tough one because the the way, what, what I'll say to people for the for the most part is the the only way to really move past something is to give yourself permission to address it at any point. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So in other words like like if if you know you are in a situation where there's something traumatic that has happened to you. Yeah. Okay. And and you've spent a, a lifetime whether consciously or unconsciously suppressing that. OK, the, the, the part of the way through it is going to be to actively engage with it. And and paradoxically, though, the best way then after you've actively engaged in it to disengage from it is to start with the fundamental premise that it's OK if at any point you need to revisit this. You right. know what I mean? It's sort right. of like like paradoxically, like knowing you can revisit it at any point, knowing that it's there to consider you know, it's it, it kind of it makes it makes it something that then you can move past in the, in the same way that like, you know, if I know that I can talk with a friend or my wife or someone about a problem. Right. And I know that I can talk to them if a problem comes up. And I and I do that every once in a while, knowing that I can do that is one of the most important things that makes me not want to do that every 15 minutes. <laughs> right. You know, right. but if but if I but if I think that I can't talk about it. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to get kind of I'm going to get kind of focused on that. Yeah, I'm going to get kind of yeah. stuck on that. And so what I say to people is like, look, you know, like people say to me, like, oh, I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm like, have a panic attack. Yeah. What's, what's going to happen? You know, you, you want to relive your trauma? Go ahead. Go and relive your trauma. When you are ready, I am here with a set of, you know, things to be grateful for, things to forgive your purpose, your goals for the day. You know, how are you going to cope when you're not feeling right? You know, so so you want to you want to spend the whole session doing that, then let's spend the whole session doing that. But 
I just want to let you know that there's another path here. You know what I mean? And I'm going to ask you if you're doing it repetitively. It's like, are we at the point now where you're doing it because you really need to work through it? Or are we doing it because it's a great avoidance mechanism yeah. for, you know, for, for these other things that are more difficult to address? Or something is, or because it feels safe, because it's familiar. Even that pain is familiar. You know, Absolutely. Instead, of, instead of thinking about the unknown of actually healing because you haven't, you haven't made it there yet. So it's kind of scary. But you do, you know, depression, you know, pain, you become friends with it, you know, to the oh. most part. Like it's become, it's, you can always run to it when things are not going right. Well, you know, I, you know what? I, I'm, this is happening because of this happened to me before. And then you hear it from a lot of people like, well, this always happens to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, there's yeah. a reason for that. You keep going back to that. You know, and yeah. you rely on it now. It's a crutch. A lot of a lot of people who I work with, especially with something like eating disorders or anxiety, will yeah. say, I don't know who I am mm. if I'm not ruminating or obsessing about these topics. Like and then it gets right back to that boredom thing where, you know, people start getting involved in, you know, drinking or, you know, doing drugs or, you know, getting into unhealthy relationships, in part because it's not so much that, you know, people say like, oh, why am I sabotaging myself? Like, you're not really sabotaging yourselves. Like, that's just kind of a, you know, I, don't, I feel like that's kind of a bullshit made up thing that, right. you know, people in my field made up. It's, it's more like you're having trouble tolerating this other emotion. Like, you think that the only thing you're having trouble tolerating is anxiety, but you're also having trouble tolerating the boredom of everyday life, you know? Right. And that's just as powerful, if not more powerful. You know what I mean? Right. Well, hey, man, it's great talking to you. We could we could keep this going for hours, but I'm sure you have other things to do. So you have some great articles on psychology today on the website, also on CNN. Where where else can people find out more about you? Uh, you could you could check me out. Uh, the psychology today uh, articles are under brick by brick. You will find one article, a particular article by Mr. Mike Mahler that like you should <laughs> definitely check out. Um, I and- concur. Uh, yes, and I, that's I have, a great one. Uh, that, that's your best work by far. You know, <laughs> I, wish, I, I think that I think that it was, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I didn't want to bring it up and make you uncomfortable. But oh, clearly, you. that is the one that has that has done the most good for the most people. I, I don't even want to debate it anymore because it's just fact, you know. And 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 uh, what else? I, I I got a blog on Huffington Post um, where you just you punch in my name and it, stuff pops up, and so. Uh, you know, always interested in hearing from people uh, for whatever reason. Well, hey, thanks again. We'd love to have you back sometime because there's definitely oh, 100%. a lot more to discuss. Yeah, it was I would, fun. I would love it. Anytime you guys want me back, I'd be happy to do it. Awesome, sounds great. Well, thanks right. again. You have a great day. Take care. Take care. All right. Again, that's our friend, Dr. Michael Friedman. Check him out at Psychology Today on the website. That's a, what is it, Brink by Brink? or Brick by Brick. Brick by Brick. That yeah. makes sense. It's, all on his, it's on his website as well. It's on yeah. uh, michaelfriedmanphd.com. He has a cool article I was just reading this morning with the lead singer of Napalm Death. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, really interesting that, yeah. stuff there. And there's another one with another punk rocker where it was just talking about the whole how to how to take charge of your life by doing as much as possible on your own. And he talks about how a lot of bands aren't successful because they have so many people they have to pay out to. Yeah. At the end, they have nothing. So, so anyway, just check out some of these articles on his website. I believe he has. I think he oh, even man. interviewed um, our buddy John Joseph as well on there. Yeah, yeah. John Joseph's on there. Yeah. Scott Ian from Anthrax is yeah. on there. It's a real 
real interesting range of people. Let's see, uh, Penelope Spheris, who did the Decline of Western Civilization documentaries, which are really interesting, by the way. So, yeah, definitely check him out. And we definitely want to have him come back because I was just looking at the clock. I'm like, we're about an hour and a half in. We could have just kept going. I had a few more questions, but we'll save it for another time. Perfect. Plus, we need more people using that coupon code LLA <laughs> going to MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com to get 10% off some great products. So make sure you do that so that we can keep the show going and get people like Dr. Friedman back on the show as well as some of the other guests we have coming up. Exactly. Or hop over to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast and become a monthly supporter of the show. And option number three, head over to Stitcher and iTunes or whatever you listen to the show on and share the episode. Rate, review us. All that, that right there didn't cost you anything but a few seconds. And I mean, the other the other option is we can give you a list of people to email and thank them for supporting the show so that you can listen for free. Well, here's that's the cool a, thing. That's another option as well. Well, the cool <laughs> thing is if you go on Patreon, you actually see the patrons that support our show. So you can email them directly and say, hey, thank you. You know, I've been kind of It's all, it's all part of that gratitude. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. So you know what? I'm I'm just too cheap and <laughs> self-absorbed to support anything. I just want to get as much free stuff as possible without giving anything in return. But thank you for allowing me, for enabling that, for allowing me to be able to do that. <laughs> oh, man. All right, folks. So that's going to do it for this week. Let's get stuff down the, down the pathway. So stay tuned in. All right? Take care. See you next time. Later.